Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. I will not yield! We're not going to let anybody touch you. I will not yield, Mr. Speaker! I will not yield! Welcome to episode four of How We Win. We are chronicling the run-up to the 2020 election, and every week we'll share these stories from the field. All over the country, ordinary people are stepping up and doing extraordinary things. We'll give you the tools you need to jump in and make a difference right now. On today's episode, I sit down with the executive director and co-founder of Swing Left, Ethan Todras Whitehill. Ethan talks about how Swing Left evolved from an idea to a national organization that has empowered hundreds of thousands of volunteers to help win critical elections. And National Voter Registration Day is this Tuesday, September 24th. Yep. We'll highlight some of the different organizations that are registering voters and let you know how you can help too, no matter where you live. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And, and this, this is How We Win. How dare you do this, Mr. This Speaker? of democracy. If this is the way you believe democracy works, shame on you! That was North Carolina State Representative Deb Butler, and she won't have any of the Republicans tomfoolery. No, I I loved that. I people if you haven't seen that video, you should watch it. It's powerful. For those who don't uh know what happened in North Carolina in the legislature on 9/11 while the Democrats were at a memorial, the Republicans snuck into the legislature to um have a vote and veto the governor's budget. They yeah. Did, they're just cheating. They, and it, it, they'd been trying to override the governor's veto for two months, and it took the majority of the Democrats being gone for them to finally be able to do that. So it was it was obviously intentional and strategic. And as we heard, Deb Butler wasn't having it. And, and I say you should watch the video for that because, you know, she's trying to call for a, a pause on the vote. Uh, and a guy walks up to her desk and reaches over and turns her microphone off. Right. How dare you, sir, whoever you are. <laughs> uh, and then she turns it back on and her, her fellow Democrats surround her and let her know, keep talking. We're not going to let them touch you right. because they, they were trying to her. arrest her. Yeah, they turned off her mic. She grabbed someone else's mic. She would not stop. Thank you, Deb Butler, uh, for being an example of what we all need to do. We can't stop. We've got our eye on you, Republicans. That's right. Uh, another big thing in the news is is something that that's a trigger warning. Um, Supreme Court Justice uh, Kavanaugh is back in the news because of a piece that was in the New York Times over the weekend detailing more information about um, really abhorrent behavior in college uh, where uh, Deborah Ramirez came out and talked about what it was like to uh, be assaulted by by him. And really credible allegations that right. many people have witnessed and talked about, and the FBI did not investigate. In fact, many of these people reached out to the FBI to 
share their stories and, right. and didn't have any success reaching people and, and yeah. being able to go on the record. 25 uh, possible witnesses that, that the FBI did not interview. Now that, you know, they're in the news replaying Kavanaugh and, and the hearings and all that, it's it really is triggering to see this guy outright lying to the Senate mm-hmm. and um, uh, refusing to answer questions in the belligerent manner in which he conducted himself, Mm. uh, certainly in my mind and in many of ours, not even remotely the kind of person that should be serving at the highest court of of our land. So many of our representatives are calling for impeachment. Right. And um, we'll see where that goes. But again, uh, this is a case of people stepping up, being really brave in in many cases, their lives being turned upside down for it, Mm -hmm. but standing up for our country, standing up for, you know, what is right and making their voices heard. And we have not made it easy for these women and we're not making it any easier for for women to come forward in the future, which is um, really disappointing and and disheartening. and, And yeah, another brave woman, Deborah Ramirez, coming forward. And it's another... It's another indication, I think, of how seriously Republicans are taking um, wanting to hold on to the judiciary. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, uh, the Republicans are incredibly well organized when it comes to the Supreme Court. Mm. It is the thing that motivates them. It's the thing that motivates voters. Um, It's why they try to stay in power at all costs. You know, Democrats, we have a lot of great organizations who do work to support the courts and to support liberal judges. But we just don't – you're not hearing our presidential candidates talking about it, you know, on a campaign. It's it's not something that really brings us together as as Democrats. And um, we need to be clear-eyed about the implications of having conservative judges on all of these courts. It's devastating. Yeah, we can't just say our daily prayer for RBG – (laughs) <laughs> we we have to we have to support the organizations and advocates that are that are Are you uh, still sending her vitamins? <laughs> I send her a vitamin of the month club. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I laid a, Is that I a thing? A Saint candle I think board. we should start a vitamin of the month club. <laughs> so uh and then we have some brothers and sisters on strike. The GM workers are striking, the United Auto Workers, and uh we support our unions, we support workers yeah. who are advocating for themselves and using our collective power. You know, I think this week GM stands for greedy mofos because <laughs> these workers, the union, and the taxpayers bailed them out. Yep. And now they're making record profits. And uh, $12 billion in profits last year. Twelve billion in profits, and the the workers aren't seeing the 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 benefits of that. Nope. Nope, they've James closed several plants. They're mm-hmm. trying to cut benefits uh, and wages, despite the twelve billion in profits they've made. So, the workers are are striking for wage and benefit increases. You know, reopening those closed plants, mm-hmm. adding jobs, retirement improve. benefits. Yeah, you know, basic stuff that uh, that we've fought hard. You know, and our unions especially have fought really hard to ensure for our workers. So um, we'll be watching that, and um, we stand in solidarity with our striking workers. That's right. And some reasons for hope and some uh, really good developments. There was an article from the Associated Press that millions of dollars in donations have been flooding into democratic organizations, especially funding local and state elections. We are reaching nearly the same amount 
raised by Republicans. Wow. With grassroots individual donations. Yeah, I think people are, as time goes on, have a better understanding of how important the state legislatures are yeah. and also how the, how they're a bench for higher office as well. So we're really investing in um, states and people over time. And, you know, the Tea Party showed us how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we remember in 2010 when they had their wave go into office, and it wasn't just the House, which was probably where it got the most attention, but in state legislatures, and we've been paying for it ever since. And governor races and all of those things, right. and we have been paying for it. I mean, that we've talked about it on previous episodes. That's where we really build our power is yeah. locally. You know, Virginia, we talked about last week. Those elections are coming up, right. and this is an opportunity to have the trifecta there to have the Senate, the House of Delegates, mm -hmm. and the governorship right. and pass the ERA and um, protect people's health care and, you know, all the things that we can do yeah. when we have that. So really, really important. So A I'm, Really I'm, smart strategy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thrilled that people are doing it. We got to keep it up. Republicans have deep pockets. And we're the grassroots. We've got some pockets, too, and we've got more. <laughs> There's more of us. They may not be as deep as the corporations, right. but when you put them all together, exactly. that's how we compete. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about some stuff to do this week, what we have coming up for people to jump into action. We talked a couple of episodes ago about Greta Thunberg, the young Swedish environmental activist right. who, who is here, and she is leading and promoting a youth climate strike this That's Friday. That's right. She's going to lead all your kids right out of school to save the planet. Yep. You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with your kids. No, there's rallies um, and events all over the world, really. Right. It's not just here in the U.S. 150 uh, countries, I think. That's right. That youth are planning on, on taking to the streets to demand action. So... I support this. I support my daughter doing this. I support following these young people who are concerned about their future, and we should be too. Are you going to drive her to the protest? No, I have to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably better that she take the bus. Yeah, she'll walk. She'll walk. It's better for the environment. Um <laughs> Also on your to-do list for the next week, National Voter Registration Day. And we're going to have some specifics uh, for how you can get engaged with that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But this is an important moment. And, yeah. uh, and this day of action has been gaining momentum over the years. And it's just a great, I think, great idea and a great launching pad. You know what my favorite autumn holiday is? Pumpkin Spice Latte Day. No, National Voter Registration Day. Oh, that's even better. It's the best <laughs> holiday. But guess who else participates in it? Who's that? Republicans. Oh. Right. It's not National Democratic Registration Day. That's true. It's National Registration Day, Voter Registration Day. So um, Republicans are out there registering voters, you guys. So we need to be doing it more. We want to register voters, more voters than them. Right. And uh, we talk a lot about voter registration, how powerful and important it is to be doing that right now, mm -hmm. and uh, and where that's an area that 
as uh, volunteers, we can really help out. Yeah. I don't want to give away the whole interview, but um, Ethan talks about when you have a presidential candidate who's an incumbent and not facing a challenging primary, they can do things like Obama did in his second term, which is register thousands and thousands of new voters. Mm -hmm. They have the capacity to do that. When you have a crowded field of challengers in a primary, right. The candidates just don't have the capacity to do that. They're focused on persuading people to vote for them. Exactly. Yeah. They're making their case and they're doing that. So that's an area where we really need to step up because we're at a little bit of a disadvantage from the Republicans in our abilities to register voters right now. So – or the campaigns are at least. Mm -hmm. So as volunteers, that's what we really need to focus on. We're going to talk about it more after Ethan lays it out really well. Great. Let's get into it. So we get to toot our own horn a little bit for this interview. As I speak with the founder and executive director of Swing Left, Ethan Todras Whitehill. Ethan had the idea that it should be easy for every citizen to make an impact on our democracy by connecting them to their closest congressional swing district. I'm excited to share his personal story with you that also happens to be the story of Swing Left. Ethan, thank you for being here. <laughs> hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so... You're a writer. You live in Western Massachusetts. What What were you doing in 2015, 2016, before the election? Well, I had been a travel writer for a while. I wrote a lot for the New York Times travel section. And um, then when we moved, my wife and I moved to Western Massachusetts and we had our first kid, it became a lot harder to do that kind of work. Um, there wasn't much to write about about around me and I couldn't really travel for trips anymore. And so I kind of had settled into a routine of um, I was I, teaching GMAT classes online, like people you want to get your MBA, the entrance examination for that. And then I was working on um, I was working on a novel. I had like 400 some odd pages of a novel. Wow. What was the novel about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of complicated. It was like based on my um, sister's experiences um, in this hotel in Libya, reporting on the Arab Spring, kind of like with like heavy oversight from Gaddafi propaganda forces, and then it kind of spiraled into some sort of a you know surreal uh, post-truth fantasy. So we'll we'll see if it ever sees the light of day. <laughs> Are you still working on it? Oh no, no, I don't have time. I haven't touched it since. Uh, keeping since you busy. Left <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's your your family like? Like your your parents, were they political? Did you grow up in a politically-minded household? Well, I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, um, which is, you know, sort of a liberal bastion. But outside of that, no, not particularly. You know, um, my mom's a feminist and she raised me as a feminist and uh, she would do things like she paid for me to come back from college to vote for Hillary Clinton for Senate. You know, I was, in, was up in school in Boston, so – or like um, my one big political volunteering thing was in the 2008 campaign, I uh, was in northeastern Ohio helping out. I actually wound up running GOTV for a small Democratic county office in, in northeastern Ohio near Youngstown. And um, it was it was that – just, you know, week of political experience that 
even that that even got me aware that there was such a thing as you know volunteers making differences in elections um, and seeing seeing all the ways that people could sort of like move the needle, um, especially in those last couple of days. How did that election go? <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good for me. It was it was it was it was pretty emotional as it was for many people. Um, but I flew home on election day, um, and I was watching the returns with my wife and girlfriend. And it was it was when they called Ohio that they called the election for Obama, and that was pretty you know emotional. Like I. I'd been, you know, doing like sixteen-hour days um, right. for for a week there, and so yeah, I felt like I. So that was but, what got you off the bench. That was your first political experience organizing. I had also done. I organized like a phone banks for John Kerry and done a little canvassing in two thousand four as well. Okay, but that was my first sort of big thing. So, tell me about the big idea for Swing Left. How did that evolve? You know, I was going back and looking at some of the uh, emails that I that, that I wrote. Like, first of all, it was literally 10 a.m. on the day after the election, right? I remember having this, you know, do you ever uh, – people have different responses to, to stress, right? Mm-hmm. And we all, you know, had like a, a really sort of moment of traumatic stress following Trump's election – or at least if you're listening to this, you did. Yeah. Um, people have different responses. And you ever, you ever like mess up and then just like the, the first thing you do is immediately like, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? How can I fix this? Right? That tends to be my response. Right? Like I, I, I have to fix it. I have to do something to fix this. So it was just like kind of like a compulsion. I dropped my my daughter off at daycare and I went to the coffee shop in Amherst and, and sat down and tried to work on my novel, which of course I couldn't. I had this compulsion to do something. What could I do? Right. And um, I, I had remembered voting for – it was actually the first time I would voted in um, Western Mass. And um, I remember a couple of things it, that struck me. One, that there was no other Republicans on the ballot in my district besides Donald Trump, Right. And so I was I was already in the back of my mind was just all these safe districts all around the country. And then the other thing that was in my mind was just the, the, the historical record for when you have a new president, the House of Representatives usually swings against that new president in the midterm year. Right. And even, you know, more strongly when one party has full control. And so that whole that and you know that like a wave election in that situation is the norm not the exception right and so knowing that we were only 24 seats down in the house i felt like we were set up for a wave election that we were set up to win back the house but i i also the, the the third feeling i had was i hadn't done anything materially to support hillary clinton you know i had a 2 year old daughter and um it was just you know it's just hard busy life <laughs> um yeah. exactly and but i had a tremendous amount of guilt over that Right. Right. Like I put like a I'm with her sticker on the back of my um, laptop to show to all the Bernie Sanders people in my uh, <laughs> town. To, uh, of which um, in Western Massachusetts, you few, must have right? been uh, the minority. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would have I would have supported Bernie Sanders if he was the nominee. Of course. I, mean, I, I like them both. Um, but like there was a lot of that like animosity towards Hillary Clinton once she became the nominee. And right. So that was like the most I did. Um and of course it wasn't a lot. So so I had that guilt and I had that need to do something. 
and I knew my district wouldn't matter, and I knew it was all about the House. And so that just led to my um, just desperately searching around on CNN.com looking for a district that I could make a difference. And I found uh, New York 19, which is a district just across the border. My parents actually spent half their time in that district. I partially sort of grew up in that district. Mm. So I, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, New York 19. This is, this is something I can do. And I, I wrote this, started to write this Facebook post saying, you know, New York 19 is my closest swing district. John Faso only beats Zephyr Tichau by 8%. You know, we can change that. I'm going to focus on this in uh, uh, twenty. In next two years, what are you yeah. going to do? And, and I stopped before I posted, you know, because like I'm sort of like just young enough so that anything that I have to take 10 minutes to do, I feel like there should be an app for, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yes. And um, just kind of on the edge of that millennial generation. So I was like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have the excuse. It's just laziness for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait a minute. Why did I have to do this work? Why isn't there something to do this for me? And that's when I got the idea of like a tool to show people your closest swing district. And I went around and looked around and there was there – was, it didn't really exist. And so mm-hmm. I called up um, my uh, best friend from high school, Josh, who had just sold a marketing company. Um, living in San Francisco and his wife Miriam, another good friend of mine who uh, was a brand strategist. And I told him about this idea. And and Josh is like, wait, that doesn't exist. You know, we should we should we should build that. I'm like, we should build this. Okay. And and Josh is the sort of the perfect person. He has like this this this, this great like manic energy when he gets his, his teeth into something. And so he just started like rolling on this idea, like calling up all of his friends. And Miriam brought in the design people, and and like very very quickly, we had a working tool. Like you know, by mid December, we had we had a designed website. We had, you know, a working tool. We had it, had it all built, all set up. And uh, I wanted to launch it as soon as possible. I wanted it there for Thanksgiving. We didn't get it there for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We are talking about launching it for the holidays. Uh, but Michelle, now our, our, our chief marketing officer and also a friend of uh, Josh and Miriam from college, mm-hmm. um, was like, no, 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 you, you got to wait for the right moment. And we did this, you know, all this pr- preparation for the launch around – She's wicked smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, all those preparations for the launch around the inauguration. Uh, but even with, with all that preparation, we're like, oh, you know, what, what, what does success look like? What do we think we can do here? Um, I said, well, we've got, you know, if we have 20,000 people signed up to start taking back the house now, like, that'll feel good. Like, by March 1st, if we can get that, that'll be good. And we had, like, 10 times that in four days after yeah. we launched. It was just, like, the most overwhelming experience of my life. I lost, like <laughs> – 15 pounds in stress over like a week. It was it was insane. I was one of those people signing up early and so inspired by the work that you had done. Um, so what what were your expectations then when you first launched? Like what, what did you think was going to happen with it? We had no idea what we were doing, right? Yeah. Like um, I, I, I just gave you my political background. I was by far the most experienced political person on on, <laughs> right. uh, on the, the, the team that launched Swing Left. We just knew that we had to do something. And, and, you know, everywhere else around the country, people were doing similar things. They were getting together with a group of people saying, what can we do? We have to do something, right? right? Ezra and Leah from um, Indivisible were doing the same thing and put together the Indivisible Guide, right? And that gave people an imprint. And people were just like, you know, getting together with people saying, what can we do? And, and so – you know, we gave people a thing. Said, "Let's start working to take back the house right now." 
And, you know, people like you sort of heard that and said, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, message received, let me go off and do that, right? And and it was just like, just, just a little bit of, I don't know, like in the beginning, we weren't like offering much, right? Like we were saying like, here's a name, here's a thing we can do, and here's just one little tool to help you do it, right? Well, Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. Yeah, and that's all we started with. I personally get really emotional when I think about the work that we've done over the last couple of years, the way that these groups organized, what impact I could have on people that I, I didn't know was even possible until this, this window, this, this platform for me to organize opened up. It's really emotional for me, and um, I'm humbled by it. This all started with a germ of an idea in your brain. Here's, there's a, like a swing left logo right here that someone made and put over here. I mean, this is, this is your, your baby that you created. Do you get the opportunity to take in the impact that, that you've had on so many people? Well, I mean, thanks, Steve. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, – it's, it's, it's definitely not mine. It's just like you said. It's just a it German is. It's of definitely need. yours. It's definitely <laughs> not. It, 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 it's, it's, it's definitely just a German of an idea that I had. Um, and by the way, there were a lot of other people who had the same idea. We got contacted um, by other people, um, you know, who said, oh, I was, you know, going to do something similar. In fact, one of the guys who helped us build it had the same idea and got connected to us before we launched. Right. Um, so it wasn't like the most groundbreaking idea. It was a, clearly a thing that we needed. I, I just happened to know amazing people to help build it. And, and then – and we did it in such a way – that, you know, it just it, – I don't know. It gave people like you permission or something, right? Yeah. Like it was – like I said, we weren't really offering that much. We just uh, created a little bit of a channel, an idea, a message, a brand, and, 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 and people like you just went off and just did amazing things with it. And I mean I, I think, you know, that's what I'm always like sort of re- so reflective on. Like, like, the, like when we said, you know, OK, here's the thing you can do. Start canvassing in your closest swing district. You know, folks like you were like, OK, I'm going to do that for every weekend from now until the election. <laughs> and then I'm going to like bring, you know, tons of people with me. Folks like you doing that, that hard work I think was, was what was so inspiring. And, you know, it's what allowed us to sort of like – you know, increase the profile and get media coverage and get funding to support the efforts and build the organization, it, you know, was because of what, what folks like you were, were were building in districts all across the country. With 600,000 volunteers all across the country we're, yeah. we're doing. And um, and But you're right. I mean, when you said uh, gave permission to do stuff, <laughs> I remember literally writing letters to DNC – I wrote a letter to Gavin Newsom's campaign. I wrote a letter to the ACLU, like right after Trump was elected, looking for a job. Right? (laughs) (laughs) They were the most. I got to dig up these letters because they were so naive. Like, hey, you know, I've never worked in politics, but I've got to completely change my life because this won't stand. And um, and Swing Left gave so many people an opportunity to really, you know, do work. I mean, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that like. We had 
this incredible, like everyone else, this incredible need, this desire to do something that was tangible, that would make a real impact towards this, you know, this what felt like just like a wrenching reversal of course in the direction of our nation. Mm. And um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that the thing that we built helped unlock so many other people to do something. The thing that we built to do something became a conduit for anyone to be able to do something. And and that's sort of like I think the thread that we hold long term with Swing Left. And we realized that while we were building this campaign to take back the house, what what we were really building was just like a way for, for anyone – to to make a difference in the elections that matter most in the way that folks like us from outside of politics would want as a way to get involved. Right. Because before there just wasn't a way, right? Like you're searching around, I want to do something, you go to like, you know, all the all these places and there's just no easy way to connect. And yep. you know, um we just had a really simple interface. Put in your zip code, you know, find your closest swing district and get to work. And and um this time around we're doing our best to sort of like simplify the complex arrangements out there, um, you know, the complex sort of like political necessities and all the things. And that's, I think, what long term we're interested in doing. How can we make things make it as simple as possible to get you from your, your intention, your desire to do something to uh, actually doing something that makes a difference um, right. in the elections that matter most for our country? So speaking of elections that matter the most, um, November 2018 – Midterms, that night, election night, where were you? Who, um, who were and who were you with? We had a couple of little like swing left rooms around the country, right? Um, so I was with some folks in New York, and um, I think we were in um, uh, Mark, our head of comms, is like you know, like they had like a little like a uh, you know, shared room in his his apartment building kind of thing. We had a little conference room. We had the TVs right. set up there. We had a bunch of you know computers. We were looking at the stats, and uh, man, there was there was there was a tough hour in there. Remember that when like the southeast returns were the only things that we were seeing, and we lost all those races in Florida. I remember because um, I was out knocking on doors till the bitter end, <laughs> right? And I and I remember going to houses and and having people being like. I don't know. It looks it looks bad. Like when I was talking at, at the doors, and I'm like, "Have you been to the polls yet?" Uh, no, I'm going to go in a little bit. Like, go right now. If you think it looks bad, go right now and make sure you vote. Yeah, because yeah. we basically, you know, we won a couple. We, we won the districts that we were supposed to win, and then it wasn't looking good in any of these sort of like the bubbles. Some, some of the districts that we needed to win, like Virginia Seven, or not needed, but we needed a, a number of those toss up districts, like Virginia Seven, Virginia Two, Florida Twenty Six. Uh, but because I guess like the rural returns had come early in those in those um, districts, and then things started swinging back. We started winning some districts, you know, in the Midwest, like Michigan, and then you know we started to creep back up in like uh, you know we eventually won Florida twenty six and Virginia two and Virginia seven, but uh, and then things just sort of like and then the the call comes in. Democrats take back the House. Um, yeah, I mean it's it was like you know. It was like a slow build. I think, honestly, I think the most the most emotional moment for me was was when we won New York nineteen. Hmm. Like, like that was that was kind of like the thing, because you know my, my parents, um, like I said, we have a house in the district, and you know they <laughs> they uh, went out knocking doors for Delgado, like you know six or seven times. 
never signed up through our swing left system, so we have no record of them. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks, yeah, Dad. I know, right? <laughs> um, but they're very proud of what yeah, you've done. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I knocked doors with Delgado, and I got to meet him a couple times, and um, you know that like just. That was like the the connective thread for me from like having that post saying you know I work to flip New York nineteen, and um, that district which was you know a lot of people didn't think we'd necessarily win even if we won back the house. Uh, so when when that one flipped, I burst into tears and called my wife because she was up you know Western Mass and mm. um, that was the emotional moment for me because like I think the actual like we're gonna it was like we're gonna win I think we're gonna win but you know what I mean so the actual yeah. call that came on the TV. We had already figured out that we had won by then, um, so it was a little bit of anticlimax. You kind of need the, you know, some kind of uh, of a flashpoint moment, and for me, it was uh, uh, New York nineteen. Yeah. I I didn't get that immediate gratification because I live in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like we lost all those races in California too. That was just that's the other thing, right? I mean, if you think about it, um, if you remember. You know, it looked like, okay, we squeaked out a win in the house, but it was like lower than the, what the predictions were. You know, like I think the over-under was like 35 seats or something, right? And it was looking like it was going to be like 29 seats on election night. And, of course, it wound up being 40. So – and, of course, we had – I think the other big damper is, you know, Stacey Abrams lost, yeah. Andrew Gillum lost. Yeah. And those, those, are, those are big blows. You know, that was a real chance to sort of like break Republican trifecta in sort of like key swing states ahead of redistricting in 2021 – um, and then, of course, you know, okay, we flipped the two Senate seats we thought we could flip. But then we lost three uh, key Senate races. So we had a net loss in the Senate, although it, it looked like we were going to lose Arizona too, even on election right. night. And that sort of like came in later. So it was it was a better verdict than than we thought initially. And so is that a, that's funny expectations game, right? Like if if like you're expecting to sort of you know everyone's talking about thirty five seats, and you win thirty seats. It's like oh, even though it's like we just did all this work to right. take back the house, and we took back the house, but it wasn't as many seats as people were thinking. So there was a little bit of a you had to reframe your emotional response to the election um, two weeks afterwards. Let's talk a little bit about swing left moving forward into twenty twenty and. Um, what really gives you hope for the coming campaign and what we're doing? Well, I mean, what 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 people did in 2018 was just remarkable. You know, the amount of volunteer energy. You know, we, we we talked all the time about you know how can we make this into like a you know we want presidential level turnout. We need presidential level excitement and energy, and I think we really saw that, particularly on the last weekend. Yeah, and so I mean. You know, that so many people would take their time and take their money towards a midterm election, I think, gives me hope going into a presidential year. There are, there are different things that I'm sort of concerned about, which is, um, one, you know, how can we take all this energy right now and make sure it's not – doesn't just get burned up in the presidential primary, which is a really important process to figure out who the best candidate is. Unfortunately, all the money and the organizing that goes into it doesn't really have a huge effect on the general election because most of that doesn't happen in the key swing states, you know, what we're focusing on in terms of our super states. So how can we, you know, get as many people as possible working for the general election, raising money, registering voters, et cetera? And I read recently that like the Obama campaign, the, the you know, uh, all the energy they put together, they, like they registered like 1.8 million new voters. That's a huge boost to that to that process. Mm-hmm. And if this primary really drags out, you know, the eventual nominee won't have the opportunity to build that kind of, of, of organization, that kind of machine. So that's really worrisome to me. 
And then the other piece is, you know, how can we also make sure that the energy people are 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 expending doesn't just work for the presidency, but works for other key races down the ballot, Senate, House, and state ledge in the super states. Right. Um, that's, I mean, I guess that's that's more sort of like at a micro specific political level. But what gives me hope is is, is just how many people when we sort of like gave them a, a simple way to be strategic, um, that they really like that. You know what I mean? You know, we sent we we did this thing um, last summer called like the immediate impact fund, mm-hmm. right? That you know people were kind of, just kind of asking for a version of it. like, can you show me the places that need the money the most, and then also. Um, you know, the money will go the furthest. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's actually not hard to do. So we, we did that and put it out. And that, like, there was like a donation email that went viral, right? Like, it was like <laughs> a strategic donation email that made, like, it was, the first email was like a quarter million dollars or something. Wow. And it kept raising money for weeks. Right. Like, people were just, like, forwarding around to your friends. Like, you want to do something? Here's, like, a here's a smart strategic thing to do. So that gives me a lot of hope is that a lot of people do really want to be strategic with their their with their time and money and that's kind of what we're really focused on right like as we build this organization we transfer it really from a a campaign to take back the house to an organization um that's what we're really thinking on how can we help you with whatever little or lot of time and or money you have how can we make sure that it is absolutely you know spent in the best possible way that it translates um you know to the most votes where we need them and I think, you know, people think of us for that strategic focus. And so I have hope that as more and more people are ready to do something, you know, they'll join groups like yours who are already doing this work, you know, still, you know, every weekend kind of thing. And that more and more people will be, you know, working in these more strategic ways, in the ways that basically are going to help us win in 2020. Right. And, you know, that's something for me not being – you know, super political before I started doing this work was very helpful to me just to have like a good focus and good direction and know that bang for my volunteer hours and buck, um, we we're going to make an impact. So I think that's important for anyone listening to this to know also that this is really impactful work and um, you don't have to think about it too much. You can just jump in and start start making an impact on these elections. Yeah, and some of these things, you know, like we have science to show that that they're effective and we also understand like canvassing, right? Canvassing was our big focus last cycle. If you ever go canvassing, which I understand is scary if you haven't done it, but once you finally do it, it's kind of a little bit addictive because yeah. it's 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 so like I was it's almost like so retro, like you're breaking through people's electronic bubbles. It's not like the, the network you have on Twitter. It's like, "Oh, you're just going to a random neighborhood and knocking some doors and you don't know who you're going to meet." But that's kind of like that's kind of the beauty and the magic of it. Like there's a reason it works to turn out the vote because you're just breaking through these bubbles. I remember, you know, we went out and uh, knocking doors for for Lisa Neubauer in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, which right. unfortunately we lost. Right. Um, but like, you know, I was like just knocking doors and telling people like, you know, do you know how important this this the Supreme Court race is? You know, this and that. Was like, the answer was like, no. <laughs> yeah. They were like, you know, I, I vote in the big elections. I'm like, this is a big election. <laughs> right. Like they're going to steal the Supreme Court for a generation, for Wisconsin Supreme Court for a generation and gerrymandering and all this. Um, and, and, and they're like, at the end, of it, they're like, OK, no, no, I'm. I'll go vote. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like you, you can really break through. It was to probably also the crazy look in your eyes. At this, <laughs> like, I'll go. I'll go. Just yeah, don't come yeah. back to my house. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
It, and and yeah, it's it's just a really powerful thing. Or like the uh, you know the handwritten letters that we're doing this mm-hmm. time around. It's like, would would you ever throw out a handwritten letter? Like you get a letter like addressed to you, you're gonna open that thing, yeah, right. And so you're gonna you're gonna break through um, people's bubbles, and that's what we have to do when trying to contact voters. We have to find ways to sort of to, to get through to them, and you know, say, hey, you know, registering to vote is really important, or turning out to vote is really important. One of the cool things about the the letters that I learned when we started doing that, which made so much sense, a lot of young people who's part of the rising uh, electorate mm-hmm. that were trying to register to vote love getting letters because no one ever sends them a letter. They never, ever get a letter anymore, right? It's just not part – like – for us, you know, we might go through mail and stuff, but um, I never get a letter. I love getting a letter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I just think there's there's something there's something powerful about it. And the other thing that's incredibly powerful is, of course, just just registering voters. You know, I think the the interesting stat that that, that I learned that I honestly I keep confirming because I keep doubting it, um, <laughs> but it's true is that eighty five percent of registered voters voted in twenty sixteen, right? And you're like eighty five percent. What? Because we hear like, you know, low turnout, 57 percent. But that's of the voting age population. Registered voters typically vote in presidential elections. Right, right. And so, you know, we last cycle we focused on turning people out to vote right. because registered voters don't typically vote in midterms. No. But they do typically vote in presidentials. There's a lot of research that shows the absolutely most effective thing you can do in presidential election cycles is register new voters. And the place to register them, of course— is the super states where 2020 is going to be won and lost. And so um, there's a pretty easy thread for people to understand why if they go to like, you know, a letter writing party or whatever, or write a few handwritten letters, why that would actually make a difference. It would be like, oh, registering voters is the most impactful thing to do. And if I got a handwritten letter, I would open it and look at, you know what I mean? Um, And we're, you know, we're doing a lot of tests to sort of like to constantly kind of improve its rates. But intuitively, you understand why such a thing can make an impact. Well, we have plenty to talk about, and um, you'll be hopping on and talking a lot as we move along the road to 2020 and talking about new stuff uh, that we have in the works and new stuff that Swing Left launches as it goes. But um, what parting bit of advice do you have to someone who maybe is activist curious, has never been involved in in politics? Um, What would you say to them? I mean, I think that's more that's more your realm. I mean, for, for, for me, um, it's just um, I would say sign up. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I would say like once you do that first thing, it it's it's really just a lot more rewarding than you might imagine. You know what I mean? To do something tangible, to know, you know, if you sit down, you know, write a bunch of letters, you go knock some doors, you're earning votes, you're registering voters, like you're putting points on the board. For 2020 right now. You can do that. And I think that's just not a thing that we're all aware of, that that's something we can do. And if you do it once, I think you'll find, you know, like you did, that is something you want to do it again and again. I remember, you know, hadn't been canvassing for a while. We, we went out for the Ohio 12 special election. And then I just wanted to get back and knock doors. And I, and I was just... I, my, my wife saw me just getting angrier and angrier each weekend that I couldn't get out to New York 19 to knock doors and I didn't right. get out there again until the last weekend. 
but like I just had this this desire. It's like, oh man, like I want I want I want those votes. I want those, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, those points on the let board. Let me get a hold of those people. Let me talk to them. Yeah. yeah, let me let me earn some votes for our side because you really can do it because we we have the votes. We have you know way way more votes than re- Republicans out there. We just need to get our people registered and we just need to get them out, turned out to vote. And uh, and and each each one of us can do that, and that's the really cool thing. Ethan, thanks so much for taking the time out of your crazy schedule. I'm glad you're here in L.A. Uh, no, thank you, Steve, for everything you do. Before we um, start talking about Voter Registration Day and how you can get involved, in the interview, Ethan talked about how we empowered all these super volunteers to step up and do work. Mm-hmm. I want to recognize uh, someone right now, um, an activist and volunteer, super volunteer named Edwina Warner, who um, unfortunately passed away last week. She organized uh, her swing left group from the very beginning mm-hmm. and was so fastidious and unflappable. Um, helped elect Gil Cisneros in California District 39, um, and her group was pivotal in that. And she was a force, and she's going to be greatly, greatly missed. Well, we're so grateful for volunteers like Edwina, and they are a reminder that there are so many ways to get involved in all of this and and many opportunities to get involved. Um, And in her honor, let's talk about some coming up. That's right. Yeah. And of course, our favorite holiday of the autumn. It's not Halloween. You don't need all that candy. It's voter registration day, right? That's right. It's coming up on Tuesday. And this is a big national push to engage volunteers to go out and register voters all over the country. So when we talk about voter registration, we know that the most effective way to do it is in person. So Mm -hmm. if you're in one of our super states in one of these key states, we want you out on the streets. There's two ways to do it. One is by going door to door. We canvas and knock Mm -hmm. on doors, um, make sure that people are registered to vote. Also make sure that they pledge to vote for a Democrat in the election. Mm -hmm. We can get really useful data from the people we talk to, which are really important to the campaigns later on as well. So there's a lot of great stuff we can do knocking on doors. The other way we do it is um, have street teams and Mm -hmm. go into like high traffic areas. Right. And I I have to say, people are so excited to register to vote when you go out and approach them about it. Um, I recently did a a canvas in the summer where we ran into someone we had registered to vote two years prior and they had voted in the midterms. So we got to see right. like the impact of the work. And they were really excited to see uh, our the folks who, who signed them up to vote. So it's a it's such a rewarding feeling it really on both is. sides. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as someone figures out that you're not asking them for money. Oh yeah. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah. They're they're like, oh, okay. And and people are really engaged, you know, in in politics right now and what's mm-hmm. going on in the world. So so they want to talk and, and you end up having some great conversations with people. Uh, one thing that I remember, uh, an article from last year, and I don't have the, the citing for it, so you just have to trust me. Um, <laughs> but it, it made sense anecdotally and um, it also makes sense to the urgency of the work that we do registering voters, especially young voters. Mm-hmm. Um, the article said that if you register a young person 
when they have the first opportunity to be registered. So high school and college age kids who are first eligible to vote. They will vote and they will stay engaged in politics pretty much for the rest of their life. Oh, wow. If you don't get them their first opportunity to vote, it is incredibly difficult to get them engaged until they're 30. 30. That's a long time to go without voting. That is. That is. And that's why we have this big block in our electorate that is not engaged in politics because they don't get engaged early on and they just stay disconnected to it. So there's a lot of great organizations that are doing work Mm -hmm. specifically in high schools and in colleges. It's really, really key to get young people involved in registering right now. (laughs) So you can start with the young people and older people in your life, but there are also formalized uh, voter registration drives. And you can um, visit a number of websites, including nationalvoterregistrationday.org, as well as a whole list of of groups that maybe we can put on social media using the hashtag HowWeWin2020 so people know uh, where to go. Yeah, we'll highlight some great groups doing voter registration work, um, some of them, and we'll put them on our website too. Vote Forward, which is a great organization that we work with where you can write letters to potential voters to get them to register. Ethan talked about the letter writing that we do a little bit. Uh, It's a great organization and a way to get involved if you can't be in a super super state. Uh, Rock the Vote Mm -hmm. uh, has been a great resource, um, especially for young people. These are websites where you can go on and register online. Yeah, Voto Uh, Latino, League of Women Voters, also doing incredible work getting folks registered. Yep. And uh, vote.org is mm-hmm. a fantastic resource, makes it really simple. And uh, shout out to a local group called Field Team 6, mm-hmm. which is um, spreading out across the country and doing really great work registering Democrats. Yeah, if you haven't seen them yet, they'll probably be in a city near you soon. <laughs> right. So um, at the very least, go to nationalvoterregistrationday.org. And Mm -hmm. you can find a list of events near you by putting in your zip code or do the same thing at Swing Left. Put in your zip code and find ways where you can register voters. Let's blow this number out of the water on Tuesday. Let's make it the biggest voter registration day for Democrats we've ever seen. I love it. Let's get registered. Registered. (laughs) Not pretty sure we don't have the rights to that, but I'm going to put it on anyway. Nobody will recognize that <laughs> tune coming out of my mouth anyway. So. <laughs> thank you for joining us today, and thank you for stepping up and taking action. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We win when we all get registered. And our work has to start now. Also, we want to hear from you. Who would you like to hear on the show? What topics do you want to discuss? Share your own volunteer story. Email us at podcast at swingleft.org. And thank you to everyone who has subscribed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and rated and given us reviews. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe on Apple or wherever else you get your pods. Share on social media, let people know about us, and use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. And you can check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And, of course, as always, sign up to volunteer. volunteer. We really appreciate you being here with us, and we're excited to bring you more from the field next Wednesday.
www.